So when I was at uni, back in the olden days, they taught us that economics is how we choose to allocate scarce resources. And scarcity is like the basic problem of economics. There's only so much money to spend and lots of problems to solve. So where does it go? And in healthcare, the allocation of scarce resources when it comes to technology investment is one that we grapple with all the time on this podcast and in the community and in the industry or ecosystem. So what we did, Talking Health Tech, at the Spring Summit recently, we invited some THT Plus members and speakers onto the live virtual stage to talk about this very issue, the allocation of scarce resources, investment in technology and healthcare systems. And we had representation from the vendor side of things, more of the regulatory side of things, as well as the health economics side of things as well. And what resulted was a really informed and balanced discussion that had some strong themes around transparency and trust and decision-making, accountability, patient outcomes and quality, all jam-packed into a 25-minute session. And normally, the summit sessions that we do are just for THT Plus members. When they've joined the community, they can access a lot of exclusive content, like all the recordings from those summits. But we've decided to make this session available on the podcast. So you can hear it right now in audio form. There's no slides or anything, so you don't miss out by not seeing the video necessarily. It's a great watch, though. Production quality on these summits. Next level. Check it out. Anyway, the audio is just as good, and you can listen to it after the music. So I'm going to introduce each speaker in the recording of it. But just quickly, you're going to hear from Mark Belej from Telstra Health, Abbas Al-Murani, health economist in New Zealand, Kerry Stratton from Intersystems, in a session moderated by Angela Ryan, who was on the podcast recently as well. So check it out. If you enjoy this session, make sure you go to talkinghealthtech.com and check out the other sessions from the Spring Summit. Become a THT Plus member. You can get free access to all of the videos from that one that we did recently, plus our previous summits as well. And you get tickets to all the future summits. But right now, after the music, enjoy this session about the allocation of scarce resources in healthcare systems. Let's make it happen, Team Health Tech. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. Session number three, we're doing it all about allocation of scarce resources. This session we were doing is really focused on how health systems think about the investment into technology. So we think about, you know, the attendees of this session today. You're a good mix of clinicians, vendors, and everyone involved in uh, implementing technology in healthcare. But a big important aspect of that is the financial aspects of it. And unpacking some of those challenges and decisions around it is what we're going to do in this session today. I'm really looking forward to something that's got a good mix of perspectives, be it across health informatics, general digital health, and other vendor ones as well. So I'm going to bring onto the screen now our moderator for the session. We've got Angela Ryan. Hey, Angela, how are you going? Hey, well, thanks. How are you? Really good. Thank you. Thanks for joining. And it's great to have you on. For those that don't know Angela, I'll give a bit of an introduction. Then I'll introduce the rest of the speakers and bring them on too. Angela was just recently featured on the podcast in episode 169, which you can check out. She's the vice chair and fellow of the Australasian Institute of Digital Health, the AIDH. Uh, and she's got more than 30 years of experience across Australian international health systems. 
and she's currently doing a PhD in digital health at RMIT. So thank you for making the time through all of that busy schedule to come and chat with us today. So I'm going to bring on to stage as well. We have Mark and Abbas and Kerry, and I'll give a bit of an introduction for everybody as well. Dr. Mark Velez is the medical doctor, is the software creator and co-founder, was formerly the vice president of uh, innovation. Vice president is, yes, yes, sorry. Uh, and, and also the uh, general manager of digital hospital innovation at Telstra Health, who are THD plus members. Uh, we've got Abbas Al-Murani is a managing director at Health Economics Consulting New Zealand. Great perspective to have in this conversation because he's passionate about helping healthcare systems make good investment decisions, whether it's in the private and public sector. Um, he's also got a keen interest in data science and web development. And uh, as well, joining the crew is Kerry Stratton. Uh, you're featured on the podcast in episode 159, which you can check out. He's the Global Director for Healthcare Solutions for Intersystems, who are TXT Plus company members. Kerry's got over 40 years of experience delivering technology solutions to healthcare organizations worldwide. Um, he's heavily involved in the execution of Intersystems Global Health Strategy. He founded Track Health back in 1991. I don't want to tell you what I was doing in 91, Kerry, but which was in, acquired by Intersystems in 2007. So there's a bit of background and you'll learn more about these speakers as well as I hand over to Angela to take us on to the next session all around allocating scarce resources in healthcare. Thank you, Angela. Thanks, Pete. And uh, welcome to everyone. I think we've roughly got about 24 minutes now to have a very speedy conversation about allocation of scarce resources. I would like to just start by acknowledging the traditional custodians right throughout country uh, and pay my respects to elders past and present and also extend that acknowledgement to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may be joining us today. So look, obviously nothing says scarce resources like a global pandemic and I think, you know, over the last, well, nearly two years now, we've seen some pretty massive changes, not just in the way healthcare has been delivered, but also in the way that people have been relating to data and information and insights. Obviously, you know, most of us are glued to press conferences every day. We're really drilling down into numbers and looking at number of people infectious in the community. We're talking about, obviously, number of vaccinations and data is really driving a revolution that we haven't seen before, I don't think. And I think by and large, the general public is engaging with data in, in ways that they never probably haven't considered previously. So I'm thinking about the change in the context over the last 18 months. Perhaps you could all sort of bring a perspective around what that has meant for you. So if we think about the allocation of scarce resources from your own perspective, what have been the key changes or key reflections? And I might just start with you, Mark, because you're next to me on the screen. Uh, I think we've all seen over the course of the last couple of years an increase of the literacy of numbers and population health approaches, as you pointed out, and the willingness to consider different models of care to tackle, you know, the problem of the day, which is the pandemic. And um, we're more willing as a society to consider that more broadly and um, across the other burdens of care that our healthcare economy faces. So. You know, it was difficult to even start a conversation about telehealth and remote monitoring and all those things. And now it's hard to stop talking about the opportunities that exist. We're going to increasingly see that just applying technology to existing models of care doesn't necessarily 
yield the best outcomes. And there's going to be tremendous rules for innovation to see how we can restructure clinical encounters, how we can shift the burden of care from patients going to healthcare to bring the healthcare back to patients. And so um, I, I think uh, it has a tremendously exciting time amidst what is a terrible pandemic with, um, with lots of uh, attendant funds, but potential it represents to innovate on how we deliver healthcare is, is perhaps a simple line. Yeah, I think you, you've rightly um, highlighted the opportunity, obviously in a time of great tragedy, but the opportunities and innovation that come, and we, we mustn't squander those about. Yeah, I mean, for me, the pandemic has really accelerated the need for a systematic framework for decision-making, right? I mean, this is the topic for today in terms of allocating scarce resources. This isn't a new problem. The, the pandemic has just made the repercussions of quick decision-making a lot more apparent. Uh, so from my perspective, I think we need to double down on the ways we make decisions and really understand opportunity cost. You know, what are we actually giving up for making these quick decisions within such a short time frame? And making sure that our framework, and I know that Australia, New Zealand, and the UK have sort of similar frameworks around how they go about ascertaining value. And I think it's just adding a bit of transparency to that process so that everybody's on board about how we're making investment decisions, whether slow and steady or whether, you know, really, really quickly in, in the current context. And I think that also comes back to trust as well, Abbas, but we might revisit that point. I'll just go to Kerry for a couple of reflections and we might come back to that. Yeah, I, I agree with both Mark and Abbas. Um, I think one of the things that has been interesting and great to see is how quickly companies, healthcare providers, vendors all jumped in to work together very quickly to bring together the technology and to really address the situation at the time. A lot of this technology that we've been using has been available certainly for a number of years, but all of a sudden with the pandemic, it all came together. And I think the value has been very much experienced. I think we've all been working on, certainly from the vendor's point of view and from the healthcare provider's point of view, getting data that can be reliable and trustworthy and being able to use that. And we've talked about it for a long time, looking at analytics and other things. But in this particular, over this last 18 months, seeing that data actually being able to be used in a cost-effective way to both inform people, people like the statistical analysis, number of positives, et cetera, a day, but also to help clinicians, patients, and everybody involved. I think one of the most awe-inspiring thing from a technology company the, uh, point of view, seeing that actually come to fruition and all being able to work together, both vendors, private health sector, and the public health sector, I think has been really something. And going forward, looking at how we're changing healthcare, looking at more into virtual healthcare, I think is an exciting prospect over the coming years. What do you think is sort of the key ingredients around making sure that those partnerships work? Because I think that there's very little that can be done without establishing good partnerships that are representative right across the sector or in many ways representative of the audiences that you essentially representing. And I think are there any reflections you have just around the notion of partnerships and how best to set them up and keep them sustained? Look, I think it's been a case of trust, even companies working together for the, the one goal uh, where they've been able to trust each other, put faith in what the end game is rather than maybe the commercial side or the initial commercial side, being able to have the, the same ultimate goal, which I think during this period, everybody no matter there's been mistakes and there's been issues and there's been 
a, a whole lot of things that we've learned. There was never a book written on how we would deal with this in such a short period of time. So I think from my point of view, being able to work with people that you trust, being able to work on the same end goal and have the same end target in mind, which ultimately is really do, do what uh, is at all possible technology-wise to you know, help both the patient and the clinicians treating those people um, is the key factor and just keeping that top of mind. And I think that's really proven to be the case over the, this last 18 months. Yeah, look, you've obviously, you've talked about trust as well and goes to transparency. And I think it's probably important to reflect on what Abbas was saying earlier about the decision framework and how decisions are being made. And obviously the volatility around decision-making and will the need for decisions to be made quickly, but then also, you know, the volatility that comes with that. So maybe Abbas, you could just reflect a little on what you observed over the last 18 months and whether or not you think that's had a real impact on the way resources are being allocated. Yeah, I mean, Kerry's spot on with what he was saying. Trust is hugely important. And I think what I realized about collaboration, the, the spontaneous and sort of quick collaboration that took place was actually mainly around incentives. I sound like an economist, and I'm really sorry about that at times. But it, that's because you are, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am, I am a kind of economist. So I'm talking about incentives here, you know what I mean? So I think there was a huge drive because the incentives were um, between a lot of organizations. And that's because we bear a lot of the burden as an individual in a society and communities collectively, right? So, you know what I'm saying in terms of, for me, trust is the thing that comes at the end. Well, it comes as a result of the steps that we take together. So the openness and transparency, the having good incentives in place, that having aligned goals um, being put in. But like I said, I think for me, what I observed in the last 18 months, really incentives strongly aligned and that was what the uh, collaboration that Vida was born out of. Before we move on, though, Mark, I wonder if you've got any sort of reflections on that notion, trust and transparency. Yeah, look, Abbas also touched on another key issue, which is about measuring value. And um, we spend a, a lot of time in digital healthcare talking about the big deals that are going on, and they seem to get bigger all the time. Um, and perhaps we don't have the same emphasis on measuring the return on the investments in the digital healthcare initiatives that take place. And not all of them are going to be successful. Innovation is going to have its, its unsuccessful dead ends, but it's a necessary part of finding those winning forms. And so I think an emphasis on measuring our outcomes and sharing our outcomes across the industry will deliver benefits to all. Whilst the deals also get bigger and bigger and bigger, we pile more and more capability and functionality. You know, if we're doing a project to do this, why don't we also make do that? And maybe there should be an emphasis on going the other way and keeping things, keeping scope narrow, keeping tight, and then being able to more effectively measure outcomes at the end so that we know whether our investments were effective or not. And I think it's tantalizing, isn't it? Sort of, you know, with the scope creep, we know that obviously that emphasis on evaluation hasn't always been there. And I think that has been at a cost of potentially projects going on and on and on without being able to measure, demonstrate that return. And obviously, we, we know that there are lots of failures across the system in regard to that. And perhaps it's a question of, well, at what point do you actually pull the plug? You know, you may be investing tens of millions of taxpayer funds. Perhaps there should be a different approach in regard to sort of where those gates tell us at what point do we kind of step off and, and not continue to potentially squander taxpayer funds. I wonder if any of you have got any reflections on that. 
Well, maybe that feeds back into what Abbas said earlier about the frameworks by which we make decisions. I think we need to know what, what our definition of done is, what our definition of success is from the outset, what we're aiming for, and then make it very easy to, to measure whether we hit it or not. Yeah. To do that though, Mark, you've got to be able to baseline where you are at the moment. And sometimes I think it's easy to say, but I think it's more difficult to do. And I think this comes back to openness and transparency of the healthcare providers of what they're really trying to do and what, especially in the clinical area, you know, where are they trying to improve? What's the problem? What's the baseline today? Where are we trying to get to? And then measuring it at the end. So if you start talking about baseline it or medicines management, for instance, it's unlikely that the healthcare system providers are going to talk about the number of actual errors they get today as a baseline and then introduce a system that prevents a lot of those errors to get to an end result of better care and better performance. So it's an interesting problem, isn't it, when we talk about, you know, measuring outcomes and how you measure outcomes. And it's not always necessarily directly financial. It's, you know, a lot of what we do, all of us is involved in better care for a patient. And how do you measure that unless you can baseline some of the problems that we have? So I think it's an interesting. 100%. 100% agree. Yeah. It should always be relative to something, even if that something is technically nothing. You know what I mean? Green. And um, I, I mean, I always tell clients, look, your investment should do one of two things and ideally both. It should improve quality of life for patients and it should improve how many years a patient lives or the quantity of life. Those are ultimately the two metrics that are important for a healthcare system when looking at investments. In my opinion, any investment in healthcare should be doing one of those two things, if not both those things. And so we always boil things down to those two elements. So we're able to compare apples with apples because you don't want to have an intervention that says, oh, well, is it cost effective to do this? And then another intervention that's completely in a different part of the healthcare system. And then you can't compare where the dollar is because the dollar is the same dollar, whether you invested in A or B. So you want to be able to boil things down and make things comparable. And like I said, that's the framework. I mean, the, the framework exists. I mean, it exists in New Zealand with Pharmac. It exists in Australia. It exists with NICE um, in the UK. And so these aren't new concepts. I think it's just the communication and then the insisting on applying it throughout the healthcare system is what we're currently sort of almost there, almost. Yeah, look, I think just picking up on those points there, I'm thinking too about overarching governance. And we know in digital health, it's a bit like a thousand flowers blooming because obviously people are doing good things. They may be doing them at scale and maybe doing them in smaller environments, but because we don't really have an established sort of or better coordinated governance, you know, and I'm using just Australia as an example, then the lessons that we might learn from a particular project aren't sort of then being fed back into the system. And we don't kind of have that continuous, you know, learning healthcare system, if you like. So you might be doing amazing things in one hospital or one LHD, but there may be some things that aren't working very well. You know, imagine if that sort of stuff was being fed back into the system on a routine basis and that data was actually being utilised and could then continue to inform because in a way then everyone's sort of got that ability to keep learning without making those same mistakes over and over again. And I just, I feel that's an area that needs greater focus and I think that's obviously something that governments, states and territories as well as the Commonwealth, as industry, as clinicians and consumers, right across the gamut, I think we need much more concerted focus on because I think there'll be a real shift in, you know, the way resources are then allocated or what savings could be made. Does anyone have any thoughts about that? 
Um, I mean, we did have a very similar situation in New Zealand, right, with the many DHBs, district health boards that we had, and innovation challenges and maybe failures weren't necessarily being shared amongst DHBs. However, bordering DHBs experienced some sort of sharing of innovation and digital systems and, and networks, but uh, it wasn't working as well as it could be. So it's a systematic problem for sure across either, or maybe that's some of the reasoning behind the new reforms that New Zealand is experiencing in terms of reducing the numbers getting rid of some of those layers to be able to add some of that transparency. Yeah. Information technology and communication is an interesting thing and being able to communicate all of these experiences. I've actually found that, you know, one of the good things that has actually come out of this pandemic period is our ability to actually communicate far better the technology that we've employed to um, have meetings like this or have been very focused you know, I think we've been able to focus our communication a lot better through a lot of the technology that's in place. I know ourselves that we've had to deploy new systems, get systems live, be able to communicate with people that we would have never believed possible to do. If somebody had said going back three or four years ago, you're going to implement a system, get it live, but you're not going to be there. It would be hard to imagine, yet we've been able to do that. So I think there is a shift where communication has been better. Certainly, I think our communication internally within our organization, but I think also our customers and the people that we deal with at the front has become better. So I think there's been some good things with technology allowing us to communicate better. I think that just needs to be exploited more going forward. I'm conscious that we're sort of getting to the end of our session. I've certainly heard some very strong themes today around transparency, trust in decision-making, accountability, and also I think the patient outcomes and quality, obviously really underpinning that. But there have been a few comments in the chat which we haven't raised just yet, but I know that Richard's rightly pointed out the interoperability, and that also goes back to that issue around governance and having something across the system that means that we can more appropriately exchange information and so on, uh, well, actually exchange information in a collective way. Josh has also referred to the issue of health tech companies where a huge part of their value proposition is realised as better patient experience or outcomes, uh, at which he states complicates the value exchange. So there's been some, some interesting comments and someone else has also, uh, I think that was Rebecca, talked about just going back to that initial issue of, of trust and shared goals. So I just wonder in the last couple of minutes, if you wanted to make any final reflections before we conclude, and I might just start with you, Mark. I think um, that the decade ahead represents tremendous opportunities for growth, digital healthcare ecosystem in Australia and New Zealand. We're in a very fortunate position to have wonderful healthcare systems, wonderful education systems, wonderful exponents of technology. And um, I would love um, for us to not be a trend follow-up, but to be fostering and nurturing in innovative solutions and companies and from our part of the world that are taking best practice elsewhere. Love it, Mark. Transheading. Abbas. For me, the only thing I want to explicitly mention that I think might have not been brought up is the topic of equity. You know, systematic unjust differences um, in outcomes is hugely important in healthcare. Um, that I think we ought to really mention, and that's, you know, this whole topic is about scarce allocating. So I think it goes hand in hand with that. And I think that's one of the most important things that we, yep. we ought to really explicitly mention. That's absolutely critical. I think we can always do a whole lot better on that front. Obviously, we've seen some real impacts over the last 18 months and 
many of the things that we've known about that we perhaps haven't sort of enacted on or planned around quickly enough. So that's a really, really big issue. I agree. Uh, Kerry. Yeah, I think one of the things that has really become apparent is, you know, the lack of resources available at all levels. So technology has really come to the fore, I think, in healthcare over this last couple of years. We've seen the benefits that it brings, but it also brings demand on everybody to provide that technology in healthcare. So both from the healthcare providers, we're seeing, you know, the need for more professionals in healthcare. We're seeing the need certainly in the technology space for more people in the technology arena. So education, getting people into this industry, keeping people. Um, I think providers like ourselves being able to offer new ways of, you know, incentivizing our staff and the way we're working, the way we're able to work in different ways. So I think there's a whole lot around getting people into this technology arena and being able to keep them. And how do we do that? And I think that'll need to be addressed soon because I think there's only a small pool that we're all drawing on to do what we're able or have been able to do this last couple of years. So I think people, education and keeping people um, is really important. Yeah, look, I think we certainly have barely been able to scratch the surface. And obviously, like any of the other sessions today, you know, the idea is just to have some little bite-sized chunks out there for people to think about. And that's obviously something that we hope we can continue to discuss, um, whether that be over the course of today or at any other time. So I think it's been really great to have a few moments of everyone's time and the opportunity to have a little uh, speed chat around, you know, scarce resources. So back to you, Pete, and thanks very much to the attendees and obviously to the people who've been making comments um, and importantly, the panellists. So Yeah, thanks, Angela. And thank you for taking through, like you say, there are a lot of rabbit warrens we could go down to have a whole day conversation like we can in any of these but hopefully it gets people thinking and build some connections after this that we can keep these conversations going thank you so much guys thank you thanks for listening to the show check out talkinghealthtech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the australian health tech industry also make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it Now go make it happen.